Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Uh, mountain climbing. Yeah, anybody out there a mountain climber? No, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about hiking mountains. I'm talking about climbing mountains. There's a difference. I mean, I've hiked a few mountains. We've got some people in the church that, that, uh, that hike a few mountains, and they've, they've fallen down a few mountains. Uh, uh, and they're both alive to tell about it. Yeah, we're very grateful for that. But mountain climbing is a whole different experience, and, 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 and I know practically zilch about, about mountain climbing. Uh, but I've, I've watched it happen, and I remember a few years ago, uh, a local celebrity, uh, Steve uh, Wampler, uh, climbed uh, uh, Half Dome, uh, and uh, uh, Steve is in a wheelchair, and, uh, uh, but uh, uh, he climbed it, and we were all greatly inspired. And the contraptions that they use in order to do that. I mean, there are, there are harnesses, there are ropes, there are pulleys, there are security things. And uh, there, were pictures of, uh, there were pictures of Steve. Uh, uh, they, 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 you know, you, you drill holes into the side of the mountain, and you hammer these things in there, and you set up a cot, and they're, 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 they're sleeping on the side of the mountain. And yeah, I'm with you. I get a little, uh, 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 it's acrophobia. Yeah, you get up there, but but you're you're secured because of all the harnesses and and everything, which reminds me of a high ropes course uh, that uh, Pastor John and I got to do one time. But that's a story for another day. So anyway, the, the the mountain climbing is never done in isolation. There's you've got to have people with you. You have to have partners. And uh, one of the things that they do as they're climbing these mountains with these, all these ropes and, and pulleys is, is that, is that you're, you're hooked up on that, and uh, it's called being on, on, on belay. So when you are on belay, you know that there is someone either at the bottom of the mountain as you are ascending who is holding the rope for you. So that if you stumble and fall, you're not going to stumble and fall to your death. They are going to catch you. Uh, And likewise, as you're going down the mountain, you have someone on belay. You are on belay. Your life is in someone else's hands. It is not something that you would ever think about trying to do by yourself. Mountain climbing takes community. It takes partnership. It takes trusting in other human beings to help you achieve your goal. And I would suggest to you this morning that living in the kingdom of God is a lot like mountain climbing. It is not something that we can do in and of ourselves. We need other people. We need a community to help us uh, to, to, to move forward even when we do something stupid, that there's somebody there that's going to help us, that's going to pick us up. I love that verse in the Old Testament that talks about the righteous man who falls, the righteous person falls seven times and rises again. The number seven in, in biblical uh, parlance is uh, the number of completion. So I like that idea that, that the righteous person is completely fallen, but you don't stay fallen. You get back up again. And why, why do we get back up again? 
because the mercies of God are new each and every day, and we celebrate that truth. Okay, so what does all this have to do with, uh, with, the, with the gospel and with the, uh, uh, the letter to the Church of Romans? Everything. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them up to the 15th chapter of, uh, of Romans. Uh, uh, if there was a, pew in the, a Bible in the pew, I'd tell you the page number, but there's not, and I won't. So, uh, what, you know, we're, 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 moving toward, uh, uh, we're moving toward the conclusion of this, uh, of this incredible work that Paul has given to us. You'll remember when we started, I talked about Romans being kind of a Bible within the Bible. It's this rich uh, theology for us. Uh, and incredible application. So we have the theology, the doctrine that Paul gives us in chapters 1 through 11. And then when we get to 12, 13, and 14, uh, and 15, we, we learn how to unpack that together. And what does it actually mean for our lives to be followers of Jesus Christ in a very, in very diverse uh, uh, communities with very diverse uh, individuals? <clears throat> Even within that diversity, there ought to be, within the kingdom of God, incredible unity. Our challenge is to bring unity to the body of Christ as we seek to expand God's kingdom and invite others to join us. Wouldn't you just love, if you walked by a house and every day uh, all you heard was yelling and screaming... Uh, in that house. Uh, every day you heard people's fighting and kicking and just tearing each other apart. Every day as you walked by and then somebody poked their head out and say, hey, would you like to come and join us? We'd, we'd like to have you come and be a part of our family. I mean, they would say, no way, Jose, I'm not interested at all. And, and that's some of the portrait of the church today to the non-believing world, or as I like to refer to them as the pre-believing world. Because we're not done yet. So as we work to clean up our own house and understand what unity is all about, and that's what you know, Pastor John is talking about last week and uh, you know, being the last one to be picked. And you know, I never had that experience because, I mean, look at this physique. You can tell I'm mean, a world-class athlete. I was always the first one chosen for any sport. That's not true. I'm lying. Lord, forgive me. Um, uh, but to, to, to come together uh, and, and, and understand who we are in, 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 in a partnership of the gospel together and what our goal is, not only to live into that kingdom and, and, and experience the abundant life that Jesus promises those who put their faith and trust in him, but then also uh, to be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks of the hope that is within us. That is the evangelistic aspect of our faith, that, that the attractiveness of our lives should invite inquirers and entice them to find out what is going on in your life. You, 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 you seem to be uh, unaffected by the fray. How is that possible? And then we can share with them Jesus. That's the, that's the goal. So uh, we're picking up the narrative here in the 15th chapter, verse 14 where Paul writes this. He says, I myself am, am, am convinced, I'm convinced, brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I have written you quite boldly on some points as to remind you of them again, 
because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the powers, power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, from Jerusalem all the way around to uh, Elycrium, uh, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see him, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered in coming to you. Now, some people, some people find this a little amusing because Paul is literally raking them across the coals up into this point. I mean, he's trying to pull together the diversity that exists between the Jewish background believers and the Gentile background believers, helping both sides to see and to recognize the value of the covenants that God has given to people down through the ages, to recognize that that, uh, when God called Israel out of Egypt, when he brought them to the foot of the mountain, these are a people who had been in slavery for hundreds of years, Think about that for a minute as we, as we kind of wrestle with the challenges that we're going through in, in our day and age. There were entire generations, entire generations who were born, lived their entire lives, and died in slavery. They never knew anything but their parents, their children. For centuries this occurred. So as we look at the little challenges that we're facing today, sometimes we need to step back and and get a perspective. God is still at work, and the kingdom of God is still moving forward. Uh, And and so Paul is is wrestling back and forth with the, the Jewish background believers and the Gentile background believers to get them to come together, understanding Understanding that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Understanding that it is by grace that we have been, that we have been saved. Understanding that righteousness was imparted to Abraham before the law because he believed, because he trusted. And that's where we are. We are given a righteousness, not because we're such law-abiding citizens of the kingdom of God, but because God declared it to be so. God declared it to be so. In his court, you are righteous. Now, that doesn't make us perfect human beings. It does not make us sinless. But hopefully, because of that, we will now sin less than we used to. 
as we engage in these spiritual exercises that allow the Holy Spirit to transform us into the, into the image of Christ Jesus with the knowledge that nothing in all of creation, not one thing in all of creation, can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Help us to understand that. Come together. Uh, recognize that theology that holds us together, that unity that we have in Jesus Christ. And then when we move into the 12th chapter, the, uh, and, and especially those verses 9 through 21, is a succinct uh, uh, statement of, of how we are to live our lives as we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Remember, Paul says that in the uh, opening verses of chapter 12. Therefore, uh, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. So Paul is, is giving them all this theology, and he's, he's hitting them pretty hard. And now he kind of he soft steps it a little bit and backs up a little bit, and he says, hey, you know what? You guys are bright people. You're intelligent people. The reality is, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. And you know what? I would suggest to you that there's nothing that I tell you here, Sunday after Sunday, that you don't already know. What's my assumption in that? My assumption is that you know the word. And and that's where we have to start. If there's a conflict, if, if there's a disagreement... Uh, if, if, if there's something that I say that ruffles your feathers or you want to take a step back, I invite you to come to me with the word of God and say, hey, Pastor David, you know, I heard you last Sunday. Well, no, you did, not last Sunday because that would have been Pastor John. But I, I, I heard you say, and I'm reading the scripture, and it says this, what say you? I am all in for that conversation, people. I am all in for that conversation because I know that everyone, including myself, everyone's theology is wrong somewhere. So if you can help me to straighten out my theology, I'm grateful. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm telling you stuff that you don't already know, assuming that you know the Word of God, assuming that it is your desire to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. That's where as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so Paul says that. He says, you're you're full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Full of goodness and complete knowledge. You are competent to instruct one another. It's already there. You just got to work it out. It's like Michelangelo. Michelangelo, I don't know if you've ever had had an opportunity to really look at his uh, his, uh, sculptures. Uh, When when we were in Italy uh, last year, uh, we were in uh, we were in Florence, and to see the David, uh, oh my gosh, it was magnificent. But one of the things that they that they have in the, in the museum there uh, are uh, are blocks of of granite, uh, and only half of the uh, of the of the carving is visible. They were things that that uh, he had not been able to finish. But what he used to say is that when he received a block of of marble, his job was to release the angel within, assuming that that's what he was carving, was an angel. That it was already there. He just needed to kind of chisel away the other stuff to to present it. 
And I think that's what Paul is saying right here. It's already there. The knowledge is already there. We are competent to instruct one another, to work it out, to pull away all the garbage that obscures the the, the truth of what God's word has to say for us. And and, and so we do that together as we move forward. I think that's what Paul is saying here. Yes, 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 I have written you quite boldly on some points. But to remind you again, because of the grace God gave to me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Now, that's not a word that you read a lot. You know, we read about the priests. uh, We read about the prophets. But when you read the word minister, I mean, we have a a, a connotation for minister uh, in our world today. Uh, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So people say to me, uh, uh, what do you like to be called? Uh, 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 minister, pastor, reverend, uh, what, what, what's, what's, what? I said, whatever makes you comfortable. Last thing I want is some label that, uh, uh, because we're all co-workers, uh, co-laborers in the kingdom of God. Each and every one of us, what we do, we do for the glory of God. So if you're an attorney, Attorney to the glory of God. If you're a banker, bank to the glory of God. If you're a if you're a, a teacher, teach to the glory of God. If uh, uh, if you are a pastor, then pastor to the glory of God. That everything that we do is a, that, that's the whole idea, and we'll touch on this in a little bit. The priesthood of all believers. And so, what is Paul saying here? Because God gave uh, gave me grace to be a minister of Jesus Christ. You know, the, a, a, probably a better word, uh, or a, a, a word that would help us to understand that a little bit better, would be instead of the word minister, public servant. Yeah, you know, they, they, they figured this out in, in, in England, in the British system. You know, they have, there's a minister of commerce. There's a, there's a minister of defense. Uh, uh, there's a minister of agriculture. Uh, there's a minister of silly walks. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, but the, 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 had to do it. Had to do it. Uh, but the idea is is that the the even the prime minister, the word is public servant. So they have they have uh, ministers of parliament, prime minister, but the word is public servant, and that's how Paul saw himself. Paul saw himself as a public servant of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I have thought about this and I've, I've kind of worked through this. Uh, so he goes from being a public servant to, to being a priest. Paul wasn't of the, of the tribe of Aaron. What's, what's, you know, in order to be a priest... In the in the uh, in the first century, uh, you had to be not only of the tribe of the Levites, but you had to be of the line of of Aaron. Aaron was a Levite. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. Only the line of Aaron. Uh, Paul tells us he's of the tribe of Benjamin. He, he's not a he's not a Levite, but now all of a sudden he's saying that uh, uh, that 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 he was given this priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, and I and I think that what Paul is saying here is what Peter picks up on, uh, 
in, in his epistles is that we, uh, as New Testament believers, are called to be a priesthood of believers. We are all priests. And with regard to uh, the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering, that's a living sacrifice. Go back to what Paul said in chapter 12, that we are to be a living sacrifice. That's the offering that Paul wants to present. The Gentiles uh, uh, before God uh, so that they know the gospel of God the, to proclaim that uh, God gave to me, in verse 16, to be a minister, public servant of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God. The gospel, what is the gospel of God? I mean, we've got the gospel according to Matthew, a gospel according to, to Mark. We've, we talked about that before and I suggested that uh, that each of us has, uh, has a, a, a narrative that, uh, that we share as we experience Christ. Uh, there's a gospel according uh, to Wes and according to Pastor John, according to, uh, uh, to Kimberly, uh, but it's rooted in the gospel of God. What is the gospel of God? Creation, fall, uh, uh, redemption, and uh, restoration. Creation, fall, Redemption, restoration. In a nutshell, that's the gospel of God. What, is, what does that mean? Well, God created the world, and when he created the world, he said, it is good. The world is good. Uh, and then we came along, and we messed it up. We messed it up through our disobedience, and that caused a separation in fellowship between humanity and God. But before, I believe that before the foundations of the earth, before God ever said, let there be light, there was already a plan established where part of the Godhead would, uh, would transition and become like us. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God, comes to earth to show us the face of God, to teach us how to live in relationship to one another and in relationship to God. Through grace, forgiveness, mercy, in accordance with the laws that God has given to us. Because when we live within that framework, we thrive. When we fall outside of that framework, we struggle. And I think that grieves God. But we're allowed to stand up and come back inside to that, that, to that moral framework in, in which we will thrive. God, Jesus shows us all of this. This is all the gospel of God here, folks. Jesus shows us that. And then he does the unimaginable. He goes to the cross. And he willingly forfeits his life to pay the penalty for our sin. Through that action, God proclaims us righteous in his court. But it doesn't end there. Three days later, he, as Jesus died on the cross for our sins, three days later, he rose from the grave. The power of the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back to life is at work within us, bringing us new life each and every day. Jesus ascended into the heavens where he reigns supreme over all of creation, even during COVID. Jesus Christ is still Lord and Savior. He reigns in heaven. And the day will come, the day will come when, when Christ shall return to fulfill his kingdom in the fullness of time. And when every right, every wrong will be righted, where the, the, the low places will be made high, the crooked will be made straight, that is our hope. 
That is what gives us the courage each and every day to live into the kingdom of God, knowing the already but not yet. The already that we are forgiven, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can walk with God even in the midst of a broken world that is plagued with, uh, with pandemics and wars and rumors of wars and all that kind of stuff, we move forward because our eyes are focused and set on Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of God. That's what Paul was proclaiming to the Gentiles. That's so that they can join in, in offering themselves as an acceptable sacrifice, a living sacrifice to live out their faith before the world that others might hear sanctified by the Holy Spirit, set apart. And that's what we are. We are set apart, sanctified by the Holy Spirit who continues to do the work of transformation within our lives. Thank God he has not given up on either uh, you or me. Thank God that he loved us where he found us, but loved us too much to leave us there. I want to draw you into a closer relationship. I want to draw you into an experience of my love and transforming grace that will allow you to be a light in a dark world, to be salt in a flavorless, uh, uh, distorted culture and community, that you might be my people, that I might be your God, that the world will know that I have not forsaken or abandoned my creation. That's what's going on there. And so Paul has a, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's pretty down to earth. Uh, I, therefore, I glory, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. To obey God by what I have said and done. That takes us back, if you'll remember back when we first started this journey, uh, uh, chapter 1, in the opening paragraph of chapter 1 of Romans, Paul says this, Through Jesus Christ and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among the Gentiles to an obedience that comes from faith. An obedience that comes from faith. Uh, not because, uh, uh, not, not out of obligation, not out of duty, but out of gratitude. Out of gratitude for what, what Christ has done for us on the cross. So that it's that obedience that comes from faith by what I have said and done. Don't let that skip by you people, by what I have said and done. We celebrate Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, those words just roll off our mouths so easily. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Actually, you probably ought to put it the other way around. Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. And there's a, people have, have discussed this for, 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 for centuries. Uh, is it possible that Jesus can be your Savior but not your Lord? Uh, there, there are people that think, well, yeah, the, the, the two are synonymous. Lord and Savior, the, the two are synonymous. Are they really? I, I'm, I'm not convinced. Now, I, I'm not passing judgment on anyone. But I go back to what Paul says here, that they've come to obey by what I have said and what I have done. We call him Lord. We are saved by faith 
we've confessed with our mouths and believed that God has raised him from the dead. To be saved is to trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And what are we saved from? We're saved from ourselves. Because when when we live outside of God's moral order, we are destroying ourselves and those around us. To live within that moral order and to receive God's grace. That's, That's salvation. But it cannot stop there. And Paul says it's it's not only by what I said. They have become obedient, not only because of what I have said, but what I have done. And I think that's where the lordship issue comes in. If we call him Lord, and and, and in the West, we don't understand this. in, in, in In our modern society, we really don't understand this concept of lordship. I, I, I don't think. It's something, you know, back in the Middle Ages with lords and ladies and kings and queens and all that kind of stuff. We live in a democracy. We live in the world of choice. I mean, oh my goodness, you go to the store and you have choice. You have so much choice. You go to buy an automobile. You have choice. You narrow it down to one, to one uh, 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 maker. And even that one maker doesn't just give you one car. Remember Henry Ford at the beginning said you can have any color as long as it's black. I heard the first car that came off the assembly line that was, that was painted a different color under, under, the, under, the, uh, uh, under the auspices of, of his son, Edsel, and when he showed it to his father, he took a sledgehammer to it because it had to be, had to be one way. Oh my gosh, we have, we have gone so far beyond that these days. We have choice, 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 choice. The challenge is that we think because we have choice in the material world that we ought to have choice in the spiritual world as well. That we ought to be able to pick and choose what we want to believe and why we believe it and God ought to just sanction it and say, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. That's where we need to come back and recapture this idea of lordship. That Jesus is Lord. It's not only about what we say, but what we do. And the world is so confused by what we do that they can't hear a word that we're saying. And we have to recapture that sense of lordship because it's, 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 it's partnership. We're working together. And we need to be allies working side by side rather than adversaries. And there's too much adversary, the adversarial stuff that's going on in the world today. Now, I'm looking up at the clock here, and it's two minutes to ten, and my plan was to go all the way through chapter th- uh, uh, the, the end of the chapter. Um, <laughs> and they told me yesterday, uh, John Mosier, you're right. He said, the, you, the, there's, there's no way you're going to get through all that material. Uh, and I think Dave Ellis wrote it in the comments before, they were, uh, before they, we lost him, that uh, there's no way you're going to get through all this material tomorrow, Pastor. And I thought, we're, we're locked down. You're, you're watching me online. You want to turn me off now? Knock your socks off. I'm going to go and preach for another half hour. No, I won't do that. I won't do that. But this will kind of throw everything off a little bit, but we can adjust. We'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. Powers, signs, and miracles... Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. 
It's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where it was not known so that we would not be building on someone else's foundation. They who were not told will see. Well, how will they see? They will see through our obedience. And those who have not heard will understand. How will they understand? They'll understand by how we live our lives. And that's where we need to come together and understand that there's something bigger going on here. And I unpacked the gospel a lot, but what I didn't unpack this morning, what I, what I wanted to, is we know what the gospel is, but who are the Gentiles? God called Paul to be a minister, a public servant to the Gentiles. He brought them into the fold. But who, but, okay, I, technically speaking, I am a Gentile background believer. But who are the Gentiles today? That, that, that we are to be public servants for. Dare I say that the, that the Gentiles today are the pre-believers, the unbelievers of the world today who have, who have yet to hear the gospel or seen the gospel authentically lived out by those who are offering themselves as living sacrifices? Again, people, we have this already figured out. We know We know it up here. We know it in our heads. What we have to do is get it down into our hearts so that it can work out through our hands and our feet. And we need to do it in community. It's just like those mountain climbers. We are on belay. We depend on one another. Gospel living is not a solo exercise or experience. But as we come together... There is no mountain that we cannot climb. There is no obstacle that we cannot overcome. There is not one thing in this world that will stand before us, before our God, to prevent the fullness of his kingdom coming together. We are in it to win it. Yes, these are challenging times, and I would much rather all those people out there on the lawn be in here in the sanctuary and those of you at home to be in here in the sanctuary, that we might have coffee connection between services, that we might gather together and see each other's faces. I know you're looking at my face thinking, what's that stuff he's got? This is no shave November, so don't worry, it's not going to stay. But it's community, folks. It's community. And right now, in the midst of this pandemic, we need each other more than we ever have before. I am on belay. And you are holding the ropes. But there, there are also times when you are on belay and I'm holding the ropes. And we're going to climb this mountain together and we're going to do it for the glory of God. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to GMPC. What a great song to end on. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are in this together. We need one another. We need to unite for the glory of God. There are still those who have yet to hear. And by God's grace... Let us be the instruments through, the, through which they can hear and see, both in word and deed, that we have both a Lord and a Savior in Jesus Christ. And together, together, we will live into this kingdom, expand it for the glory of God, and honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.